holy gospel today comes from John chapter 7. Glory to you, O Lord. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For as yet there was no spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today is Pentecost. It's uh, the church's birthday. This is the day that we celebrate the Holy Spirit coming to those disciples, those first followers of Jesus as they were gathered in Jerusalem and sending them out, turning them from just a band of disciples, around 120 of them, the book of Acts tells us, into the church, the ecclesia in Greek, the ones who were called out to share this message with a world who needed to hear it. This is the church's birthday. This is when we go from a band of disciples to the church. And this is what we celebrate today, nearly two millennia later. So maybe since it's our birthday, the church's birthday, that is, we should look around and see how things are going uh, here nearly two millennia later. How has the church changed and adapted? How has the church fulfilled its mission over these past 2,000 years? Well, as we look at the world globally, Christianity is sitting in a good spot. It has uh, multiplied tremendously, gone from 120 persons to being the largest religion in the world, uh, including all of the branches of Christianity. And uh, in Africa and in parts of Asia, Christianity is growing explosively. There's uh, new growth, new churches being planted all the time. Christianity is alive and well. But there are also these other rumblings as you look around that you see. There's, there's some projections, for example, uh, that Christianity will not be the largest world religion in 50 years from now, that perhaps Islam might actually uh, take that number one spot. Or if we look in the West, Christianity doesn't seem to be growing in quite the same way as it is in places like Africa and in Asia in Europe, for example, we see a church that has been in decline for so long that in some places it almost seems to be absent. You have nations like Sweden, for example, where 99% or more of people who live in Sweden are members of the Church of Sweden, and 1% or less actually attend on Sundays. Can you imagine that? 1% church attendance. In the United States, we're not quite in that same boat but we're beginning to see those same sorts of trends happen here as well. In the last 50 years, uh, many of our churches have been in decline, uh, and some of the ones that are not in decline are beginning to see a plateauing uh, right around now. We're seeing more and more people identify as atheist or agnostic than uh, have ever at least publicly identified as that before. And in fact, here in our own state, uh, in uh, western Washington in particular, there's this region from a little bit north of Seattle down to Portland that's referred to by people who study these things as the nun zone. Maybe you've heard this. And it's not N-U-N, nun, as in a Roman Catholic nun. It's N-O-N-E, nun, because this area has the largest proportion of anywhere in the country of people that respond none when asked what religion they are, what religion they are affiliated with. 
the trends are changing. People aren't coming to church for the same reasons that they used to. People in my generation in particular, millennials, the youngest generation of adults, have a different relationship, a different view of the church and organized religion in general. And it's enough to make you feel a little bit of anxiety on your birthday as you wonder what the future might hold. Those rivers flowing with living water that Jesus talked about in our gospel message, well, they seem to be drying up. They seem to be more, little more than rocky, dry river beds. Or at least if they're not there yet, maybe that's the way they're going. What does Jesus say about the dry, the people who are parched, who are thirsty, who are lacking the basic things they need for life? He says this, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me, that is, trusts in me, let them drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. If you think back on that church, that first group at Pentecost, that 120 disciples, some of them would become known as apostles. Uh, These believers, followers in Jesus Christ, some of them had been with him from the beginning, some uh, for a shorter amount of time. I can't imagine that Pentecost gathering was a pleasant one uh, or a particularly exciting one up until that event of the Holy Spirit. I mean, Jesus had, uh, come, had been raised, of course, about 50 days earlier and had come back and had been appearing to them over this 40-day period, and that must have been wonderful. Jesus would show up and have a meal here, you know, eat some fish to show that he wasn't a ghost, and then he'd show up at this other place and he'd cook breakfast for the disciples while they were fishing. Then he would uh, walk with these other two to Emmaus and uh, teach them as they walked, even though they didn't know it was Jesus, uh, and then share a meal or begin to share a meal with them. But 10 days before this Pentecost gathering, Jesus had uh, ascended. They had gathered together and Jesus had disappeared, had gone somewhere up and suddenly had vanished from their sight. And the last thing he told them to do was to wait. Wait, he said. Wait in Jerusalem. And so they're waiting. They've been waiting 10 days now uh, in Jerusalem. And I can't imagine that waiting was an easy thing to do, to just wait and see what's going to happen. I mean, they were a small group, 120 of them. That's the whole Christian faith at that time. What would their future hold? How long would they be waiting? Could they keep this thing going if they had to wait much longer? And then suddenly that wind blows in. That that mighty uh, rushing uh, wind comes into the house and it stirs things up. Suddenly, as we read in Acts 2, there is this sound of a mighty rushing wind And it fills the entire house, and divided tongues as of fire appear among them, and a tongue rests on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. They go from being this group gathered in a house on this great festival day to being sent out into the streets to speak the good news of Jesus Christ in languages they maybe haven't even ever heard before, let alone been taught. To speak the gospel to people, all sorts of people living in all sorts of places gathered here in Jerusalem for this day. And we read at the end of the story uh, that uh, that day about 3,000 people were added to their number. This congregation of 120 people grew 25 times their size in the space of a couple of hours. Out of the believer's hearts shall flow rivers 
of living water. I want you to notice something about this story, too. Notice what's missing. Notice the things that we often identify with church, that we think you can't even be the church if you don't have these things. But look at what they didn't have at this Pentecost gathering. They didn't have a building. They didn't have uh, uh, artwork or, or, or symbols, these, these two millennia of Christian uh, symbols and, and beauty that we have. They didn't have uh, time-worn uh, uh, Christian hymns or songs. They didn't have even the New Testament yet. That was yet to be written. And uh, as far as I know, they had yet to call a pastor full-time. I don't think that had happened yet. And yet the Holy Spirit comes and fills them and sends them out, and they get about the work of the church, sharing the gospel, the good news, with people who need to hear it, going out on the streets or wherever people are gathered to share this good news of God come near to creation, not for punishment, but for forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not advocating that we try and go back to the early church, uh, to their forms and structures Uh, They worked for their day, but we're in a new day today, and we have different forms and different structures. But I do want us to notice how those forms and structures, those things that we think of as church, as religion, those things that we measure when we talk about how many members uh, we have or how many Christians there are worldwide even, how those adapt and change over the centuries, over the millennia. Because what the church is called to do is to be uh, carriers of this gospel, sharers of this living water, this good news of Jesus Christ, bringing this to a world in need. And the forms and the structures uh, help to serve that purpose, or they hinder that purpose from time to time. The things that were necessary for, uh, for the church's mission 50 or 100 years ago might today actually be getting in the way and not serving that mission in the same way. As the church moves forward, I am hopeful, not because of demographic numbers or, or studies or uh, how many members are, are coming into our churches, but rather because we have the same Lord Jesus Christ that those Christians on Pente- that first Pentecost day had. That same Lord Jesus Christ who delights in taking dry and thirsty people and turning them into rivers flowing with living water for the sake of the world. Because we have that same Spirit who filled that house that Pentecost day and drove them outside to speak in languages that were not their own. That same Spirit dwells here on us in you And that same Spirit is calling you out, sending you forward as you leave this place and go to your place of of, of home, of, of play, of work, traveling, sleeping, wherever you are. That Holy Spirit goes with you. And so that in your dryness, in your thirstiness, you are actually well positioned for Jesus Christ to use you, to send His Holy Spirit on you, and to make even you into a fountain, a river, flowing with living water for the sake of a world in need. The church is changing. The world is changing. Our culture is changing. And the forms and the structures of church have to change along with it. But our future is secure so long as we have this Lord Jesus Christ, 
so long as we have this Holy Spirit, Jesus' promise will be fulfilled. You will be rivers flowing with living water. Amen.